for we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy. Hello, this is Christopher from Defeat Modernism, and welcome to my video on John F. Kennedy and his speech on secret societies and communism. Uh, I'm sure there's a, a fair number of you that have heard this speech, but I, I am confident that there's many of you that have never heard it and are not aware of it. And so I wanted to bring this up on the anniversary of his assassination. Uh, this particular speech was given on April 27th, 1961, uh, in front of the American Newspaper Publishers Association at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York City. This, this was addressing the news coverage of the uh, Bay of Pigs incident. And uh, you'll hear him discuss many topics that, in light of where the country has gone since his assassination, and of the increase of censorship worldwide, and especially here in the United States, on a number of issues, will ring uh, very clear, I think, to each of you. Now, I'm not going to get into all the different theories of who shot JFK, what the reasons were, etc. Um, I think for anyone who's studied the subject, it's clear that it was really our own government, our own secret societies within the government, that killed this man for any number of reasons. And the whole ridiculous cover-up, claiming that Lee Harvey Oswald fired all those shots, uh, forget the fact that one of them clearly came from the front, um, you know, the magic bullet theory, all this nonsense that was force-fed to the American people at that time. And it was easily covered over because there was no, really was no alternative media at that point. Uh, you know, there was no internet. There was nothing to really look at specifically the ridiculousness of what they were saying and, and who benefited the most from the cover-up, etc. So, but I, what I do want to cover in this video is the monolithic and ruthless conspiracy itself. Who is it that's behind this? From, let's say, the very beginning of time to the, the conspiracies against Christ the enemies of all mankind. Uh, I'm going to go through much of that after we listen to the president's speech. Now, in the beginning of the speech, he kids around with the press. It's it's funny. I'm not going to put that part in here. It, it's really not important. I will put a link to the entire speech in the description box. This comes from the John F. Kennedy Presidential Library and Museum. As you can see on the screen, this is where I'm pulling this audio from. Uh, so if you want to listen to it there, I'm just going to go straight to the meat of it. It's about 15 minutes or so. It's not too long. But I think it's very important to hear what he was saying, what he was warning about, and to really reflect on where our country is at this point and how the enemies he's speaking of, uh, how they have progressed uh, rapidly in power over the decades to now being at the head of all the institutions in our country and frankly throughout the world. So without further delay, let's get to the speech and then I'll be back afterwards. 
My uh, topic tonight is a more sober one of concern to publishers as well as editors. I want to talk about our common responsibilities in the face of a common danger. The events of recent weeks may have helped to illuminate that challenge for some, but the dimensions of its threat have loomed large on the horizon for many years. Whatever our hopes may be for the future, for reducing this threat or living with it, there is no escaping either the gravity or the totality of its challenge to our survival and to our security. A challenge that confronts us in unaccustomed ways in every sphere of human activity. This deadly challenge imposes upon our society two requirements of direct concern, both to the press and to the president. Two requirements that may seem almost contradictory in tone, but which must be reconciled and fulfilled if we are to meet this national peril. I refer first to the need for far greater public information, and second, to the need for far greater official secrecy. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. Even today, there is little value in opposing the threat of a closed society by imitating its arbitrary restrictions. Even today, there is little value in ensuring the survival of our nation if our traditions do not survive with it. And there is very grave danger that an announced need for increased security will be seized upon by those anxious to expand its meaning to the very limits of official censorship and concealment. That I do not intend to permit to the extent that it's in my control. And no official of my administration, whether his rank is high or low, civilian or military, should interpret my words here tonight as an excuse to censor the news, to stifle dissent, to cover up our mistakes, or to withhold from the press and the public the facts they deserve to know. But I do ask, but I do ask every publisher, every editor, and every newsman in the nation to re-examine his own standards and to recognize the nature of our country's peril. In time of war, the government and the press have customarily joined in an effort based largely on self-discipline to prevent unauthorized disclosures to the enemy. In times of clear and present danger, the courts have held that even the privileged rights of the First Amendment must yield to the public's need for national security. Today, no war has been declared. And however fierce the struggle may be, it may never be declared in the traditional fashion. Our way of life is under attack. Those who make themselves our enemy are advancing around the globe. The survival of our friends is in danger. And yet no war has been declared. No borders have been crossed by marching troops. No missiles have been fired. 
if the press is awaiting a declaration of war before it imposes the self-discipline of combat conditions, then I can only say that no war ever posed a greater threat to our security. If you are awaiting a finding of clear and present danger, then I can only say that the danger has never been more clear and its presence has never been more imminent. It requires a change in outlook, a change in tactics, a change in missions by the government, by the people, by every businessman or labor leader, and by every newspaper. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. It conducts the Cold War in short. With a wartime discipline, no democracy would ever hope or wish to match. Nevertheless, every democracy recognizes the necessary restraints of national security. And the question remains whether those restraints need to be more strictly observed if we are to oppose this kind of attack as well as outright invasion. For the facts of the matter are that this nation's foes have openly boasted of acquiring through our newspapers information they would otherwise hire agents to acquire through theft, bribery, or espionage, that details of this nation's covered preparations to counter the enemy's covered operations have been available to every newspaper reader, friend and foe alike, that the size, the strength, the location, and the nature of our forces and weapons and our plans and strategy for their use have all been pinpointed in the press and other news media to a degree sufficient to satisfy any foreign power, and that in at least one case, the publication of details concerning a secret mechanism whereby satellites were followed required its alteration at the expense of considerable time and money. The newspapers which printed these stories were loyal, patriotic, responsible, and well-meaning. Had we been engaged in open warfare, they undoubtedly would not have published such items. But in the absence of open warfare, they recognized only the tests of journalism and not the tests of national security. And my question tonight is whether additional tests should not now be adopted. That question is for you alone to answer. No public official should answer it for you. No governmental plan should impose its restraints against your will. But I would be failing in my duty to the nation in considering all of the responsibilities that we now bear and all of the means at hand to meet those responsibilities if I did not commend this problem to your attention.
and urge its thoughtful consideration. On many earlier occasions I have said, and your newspapers have constantly said, that these are times that appeal to every citizen's sense of sacrifice and self-discipline. They call out to every citizen to weigh his rights and comforts against his obligations to the common good. I cannot now believe that those citizens who serve in the newspaper business consider themselves exempt from that appeal. I have no intention of establishing a new office of war information to govern the flow of news. I am not suggesting any new forms of censorship or new types of security classifications. I have no easy answer to the dilemma that I have posed and would not seek to impose it if I had one. But I am asking the members of the newspaper profession and the industry in this country to re-examine their own responsibilities, to consider the degree and the nature of the present danger, and to heed the duty of self-restraint, which that danger imposes upon us all. Every newspaper now asks itself, with respect to every story, is it news? All I suggest is that you add the question, is it in the interest of national security? And I hope that every group in America, unions and businessmen and public officials at every level, will ask the same question of their endeavors and subject their actions to this same exacting test. And should the press of America consider and recommend the voluntary assumption of specific new steps or machinery, I can assure you that we will cooperate wholeheartedly with those recommendations. Perhaps there will be no recommendations. Perhaps there is no answer to the dilemma faced by a free and open society in a cold and secret war. In times of peace, any discussion of this subject and any action that results are both painful and without precedent. But this is a time of peace and peril which knows no precedent in history. It is the unprecedented nature of this challenge that also gives rise to your second obligation, an obligation which I share. And that is our obligation to inform and alert the American people, to make certain that they possess all the facts that they need and understand them as well, the perils, the prospects, the purposes of our program and the choices that we face. No president should fear public scrutiny of his program, for from that scrutiny comes understanding, and from that understanding comes support or opposition, and both are necessary. I am not asking your newspapers to support an administration, but I am asking your help in the tremendous task of informing and alerting the American people, for I have complete confidence and the response and dedication of our citizens whenever they are fully informed. I not only could not stifle controversy among your readers, I welcome it. This administration intends to be candid about its errors. For as a wise man once said, an error doesn't become a mistake until you refuse to correct it. We intend to accept full responsibility for our errors, and we expect you to point them out when we miss them. Without debate, Without criticism, no administration and no country can succeed, and no republic can survive. That is why the Athenian lawmaker Sola decreed it a crime for any citizen to shrink from controversy. 
And that is why our press was protected by the First Amendment, the only business in America specifically protected by the Constitution, not primarily to amuse and entertain, not to emphasize the trivial and the sentimental, not to simply give the public what it wants, but to inform, to arouse, to reflect, to state our dangers and our opportunities, to indicate our crises and our choices, to lead, mold, educate, and sometimes even anger public opinion. This means greater coverage and analysis of international news, for it is no longer far away and foreign, but close at hand and local. It means greater attention to improved understanding of the news, as well as improved transmission. And it means, finally, that government at all levels must meet its obligation to provide you with the fullest possible information outside the narrowest limits of national security. And we intend to do it. It was early in the 17th century that Francis Bacon remarked on three recent inventions already transforming the world, the compass, gunpowder, and the printing press. Now the links between the nations, first forged by the compass, have made us all citizens of the world, the hopes and threats of one becoming the hopes and threats of us all. In that one world's effort to live together, the evolution of gunpowder to its ultimate limit has warned mankind of the terrible consequences of failure. And so it is to the printing press, to the recorder of man's deeds, the keeper of his conscience, the courier of his news, that we look for strength and assistance, confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent. I hope you enjoyed listening to that. And I don't want to make it seem like John F. Kennedy was a martyr. He wasn't. Um, some of you may or may not know, in a famous uh, TV uh, address, a famous address he made on TV, he said, quote, contrary to common newspaper usage, I am not the Catholic candidate for president. I am the Democratic Party's candidate for president, who happens also to be a Catholic. I do not speak for my church on public matters, and the church does not speak for me. So he's distancing himself there from the church. Um, and later on in his life, as when he was president, and this is something probably most of you don't know either, he uh, did play a role in the assassination of an actual Catholic president. So uh, for those of you who are younger, you have no clue about this, but the president of South Vietnam, uh, Diem was his last name. You can see the image on the screen of him. He was actually more of a Garcia Moreno, where John F. Kennedy was no Garcia Moreno of uh, Ecuador, who was killed by the, the Freemasons for being Catholic, for, for promoting Christ the King and the Sacred Heart. Uh, the President Diem of Vietnam was, was a Catholic. He was at Mass before he was killed. And it was John F. Kennedy and Harriman uh, who actually put the hit out on him. 
And, uh, you know, Harriman, for those of you that don't know, he was a member of the Skull and Bones, the same secret society that President George Bush and, um, and John Kerry are members of. And Harriman was also a member of the Council on Foreign Relations, just another Masonic organization uh, that controls the United States foreign policy and is, is an organization like all, all of these Masonic organizations that are leading to where we are now, uh, a one-world Masonic Republic, uh, a Judeo-Masonic Republic with Antichrist at its, as its head. And that's where all of this is leading to. And that's what Kennedy was warning about, but he was, he was part of it. Um, and he just, you know, was, was a useful idiot that they took out in broad daylight to make it known to, to everyone who really runs the show. And three weeks after he had President Diem assassinated, he himself would be killed. Uh, I guess you maybe can call it poetic justice. But, you know, perhaps I could do I could do a whole video just contrasting the president of Vietnam versus President Kennedy, um, because they're they're, very, they're two different, completely different people in their lives, uh, both in faith and in morals. And, you know, President Diem, they were the United States was afraid of a Catholic dictatorship. Uh, they really didn't care too much about any other communist dictatorships because we sided with the communists in World War Two. Forget the fact that they mass murdered uh, tens of millions of people already, mainly Christians. Um, but just another couple of points I want to get into more into the actual monolithic and ruthless conspiracy part that he speaks of, because um, he was part of it and then he was killed by it. And this is what happens when you when you reject Christ the King, you get killed, but you don't die a martyr, right? So the president, the president of Vietnam, he died because he was promoting the Catholic faith in his country. And he happened, his, his brother happened to be Archbishop Thuc, who more or less lost his mind after all these evils that happened to him. And that's a whole other can of worms um, that I've covered in some videos in the past. But he would end up doing, committing crimes against the church, consecrating non-Catholics, um, just really doing some evil things. And I, I mean, obviously, I, I can't speak to his mental state, but but what he did was wrong. And I'm just hoping and assuming that he was not in his right mind. Um, God knows. But but people should avoid the thick line of bishops. But not to go down that road right now. Um, let me just finish with what happened to President Diem. Uh, it was All Souls Day, November 2nd. And he and his brothers were attending Mass at the Church of St. Francis Xavier, and they remained there after Mass to pray. Uh, then they were outside the church. They were standing before the Grotto of the Virgin Mary when the soldiers arrived. And then the general, the Vietnamese general, ordered the soldiers um, to kill Diem and, and his brother. And so what they did is they cut out their gallbladders while they were still alive and then shot them. So this is the sick satanic... Um, you know, Judeo-Masonic ritual, however you want to call it, that these people did. And it was at the behest of, of Kennedy, of Harriman, of uh, the State Department. I mean, this is, this is what these people do. And we've seen, we've seen what they've done, you know, throughout history, especially recent history. So 
it should be no surprise. But yes, three weeks later, three weeks after that, uh, John Kennedy got his, his just rewards. And so we see the monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that President Kennedy spoke of, killing both him and killing the Catholic president of Vietnam. Why? When did this conspiracy begin? Who's behind it? Who are the big players behind it? Now, we know that the conspiracy against God, against mankind, started in heaven with Lucifer and the fallen angels. And then when God created mankind, we know that Lucifer conspired against humanity uh, through lies and deception. And this same conspiracy has continued on since the very beginning of time. Uh, And now we are at a stage in world history where we are witnessing it at a whole other level and at a prophetic level at what appears to be, you know, what what some would call the end times. Uh, Now, the Psalms speak of this. In the second chapter of the Psalms, uh, verses 1 through 4, it states, Why have the Gentiles raged, or why have the nations raged? And the people devised vain things. The kings of the earth stood up, and the princes met together against the Lord and against his Christ. Let us break their bonds asunder, and let us cast away their yoke from us. And so this is the wanting to throw off the, the love of God, the obedience to God and his commandments, and do whatever man wishes he, himself to do. You know, do what that wealth is the whole of the law. That is, that is Satanism. That is the first commandment of, of Satanism. And that is liberalism. That is Freemasonry. That is modern-day Judaism. Is, we do not want this man. We don't, do not want Christ to rule over us. They want Barabbas. And so we now have Barabbas in every country, in every state, and in every institution throughout the world. You have a Barabbas running it, a revolutionary, a murderer, a thief, a liar, a degenerate, a sodomite. You have everything that is displeasing to God running the countries of the world running the United Nations, the World Economic Forum. You have absolute psychopaths, um, sociopaths. Uh, You have all sorts of filth, and that's why all they do is promote filth, godlessness, immorality, because they are revolting against God. They are revolting against what is true, what is beautiful. And, And sadly, so many people in the world have have been so thoroughly indoctrinated that they think that good is evil and evil is good, that what is ugly is beautiful and what is beautiful is ugly. And that is the curse of rejecting the truth. And that is the curse that came upon the Jews. And what we have to get to is you have to get to the root of the matter. Who is the head? Who is the head of the snake? What is the head of the conspiracy? Our Lord tells us, St. Paul, the Holy Ghost tells us. So I'm I'm going to fast forward to that now because you have to know who your enemy is to be able to defeat him. You have to be able to call him out. And you can't compromise with your enemy. You have to 
Either convert him or destroy him. There's no middle ground. Now this is coming from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 8. And in the beginning of this discourse, uh, verse 31, St. John the Apostle makes clear that Jesus is speaking to the Jews. And there was a specific delineation between the Jews and then the followers of Christ. Right? Because I, I, people always say, well, Jesus was a Jew and this and that. Well, no. Um, there was a distinction between those who followed Christ, Christians, true believers, true sons of Abraham, and the Jews, the unbelievers, the enemies of Christ. And he's going to make it clear here. So, so here on verse 38, he says, I speak that which I've seen with my father, and you do the things that you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you be the children of Abraham, do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who have spoken the truth to you, which I have heard of God. This Abraham did not. You do the works of your father. They said therefore to him, We are not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus therefore said to them, If God were your father, you would indeed love me. For from God I proceeded and came. For I came not of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not know my speech? Because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he stood not in the truth, because truth is not in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father thereof. But I say the truth, you believe me not. So, Christ here is explaining that the Jews are of their father the devil. And this is what Novus Ordo Catholics, Protestant Zionists, who seemingly worship these people, thinking somehow they're saints, When they are the enemies of Christ, Christ is telling you they're his enemies. He's saying that they seek to kill him, and they did kill him. And how do we know that it was the Jews that killed him? Well, the Holy Ghost tells us through St. Paul. And he also tells us who the enemy is very clearly. So let's now go to that. So here on the screen now, this is coming from the first epistle of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. It's in chapter 2. Uh, This is verses 15 and 16. And he says, quote, The Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and have persecuted us, and pleased not God, and are adversaries to all men, prohibiting us to speak to the Gentiles, that they may be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath of God is come upon them to the end. End quote. Now those are powerful words. And Who is going to deny what is written there? It is clear. The Holy Ghost tells us through St. Paul, it was the Jews who killed our Lord Jesus Christ and the prophets. And and the Jews actually admit to this in their disgusting Talmud. They say that the prophets that they killed are burning in hell and excrement and that Jesus is burning in hell and excrement. That's in their own that's in their own diabolic texts from these same Pharisees that Jesus called of their father the devil and all their followers are in league with them. 
So they are not they are not some saints that these that poor indoctrinated people believe that they, them to be. Um, and those of you who might be looking at this for the first time and probably melting your mind looking at this, this is the truth. There it is. It's in black and white. And this is the history of the church against the Jews, the church against Judeo-Freemasonry. And this is the monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that JFK was talking about. And it is so much bigger than what he was referring to on its own because he was speaking of communism. But communism comes directly from Judaism. And Judaism created Freemasonry. Freemasonry is Judaism for the godless, faithless Gentiles. Uh, The church has warned about Freemasonry over and over and over again. And I'm going to go through these warnings uh, from the popes and from other priests, you know, prior to Vatican II, because this is the enemy. This is the conspiracy. It's a conspiracy against Christ and against all mankind. As St. Paul said, the Jews are the adversaries to all men, all men. They hate all men because their father is the devil who hates all men. So you have to put two and two together. You have to understand what this is all about and why all this evil is being promoted by all the nations of the earth, why everything that they promote is anti-Christ, is anti-Christian, is immoral, is godless, is is, is communism, thievery, all of it. The global depopulation. It's because the Gentiles are hated, absolutely derided, especially the Christians, by the Jews, in their own words, in the Talmud, the writings of the Pharisees, the enemies of Christ. And you can see on the screen here, this is just an outline of what is in the Talmud, what they actually believe. So in the Jewish Talmud, Christians are called idolaters, worse than Turks, murderers, impure libertines. They are considered manure, animals in human form, worse than animals, children of the devil. Uh, The church is called the house of stupidity and filth. Sacred statues, medals, and rosaries are called idols. Where does that ring a bell? Why is it that the Protestants, the communists, uh, and the Freemasons all hate the church? Why do the Protestants call... We honor the, the statues, the medals, the rosaries. They, they call them the same thing the Jews call them, idols. Right? They all hate Our Lady. Isn't it curious that they're all, they all say the same thing? Why? Because their doctrines came, come from the same father, the devil. The communism comes from the devil through the Jews. Freemasonry comes from the devil through the Jews. Protestantism comes from the devil through the Jews. Do some research on Martin Luther and the influence of the Jewish Kabbalah on him. I do have a video on that as well on my channel. Do some research on who he was, the life that he led, the impure life that he led, and how he killed himself by hanging himself at the end of his life like Judas. Why? Because Protestantism is spiritual suicide. There is no grace there. There is no truth there. It is, it is, it is Freemasonry. It, it, is, it is a... 
you know, quote unquote, Christian Freemasonry, which you can believe whatever you want. There, you don't have to work. You sin and sin boldly. You don't have to go to confession. You don't need a priest. You don't need the sacraments. They degrade everything that Christ taught, that the church had believed for 1,500 years. As if the church is wrong for 1,500 years. As if what the church fathers learned directly from the apostles, they were in error. All of them were Catholic. All of them believed in the true presence, in confession, in the papacy, in the priesthood. And so are we to believe 1,500 years later, some monk, some immoral, filthy monk who wanted to have uh, sexual relations with a nun, they both, they both abandoned their vows that they made before God. And for what? Look what, it, look what it's done to Christian civilization, Western civilization, and where we're at now, thanks to the Protestant Revolution, a satanic revolution. Now, sticking with the theme of the Talmud, uh, I want to just go over a couple other things because I'm sure there's, there's many of you who probably are in shock or denial at this point, but you just have to read it yourself. I mean, I'm not making this up. And just to further prove it, uh, Father Maximilian Kobe, who in the Novus Ordo, they consider him a saint. Um, maybe he is a saint. I don't know. I'll wait until the actual Catholic Church decides it. I don't view the canonizations of the Novus Ordo as canonizations of the Catholic Church because almost anyone can become a saint these days. Um, if you have people like John Paul II and Paul VI and John XXIII, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. The biggest enemies of the Church, uh, men who led more people away from the faith um, than can ever be imagined. Um, maybe Luther would would get the, the biggest award, and perhaps uh, uh, Henry VIII or maybe uh, Francis Bergoglio for shutting down the most Latin masses. But be that as it may, here, uh, Father Maximilian Kolbe, who was a strong fighter against the Talmud and against Freemasonry, uh, he says this. This was from an article that he authored called The Poor Ones, and he describes the hatred expressed for Christ and his church in the Talmud. He says, quote, Man was redeemed, and Christ founded his church upon a rock. Some of the Hebrew people recognized him as the Messiah, but others, among them principally the Pharisees, did not want to recognize him. Instead, they persecuted his followers and issued numerous laws obliging the Jews to persecute the Christians. These laws, together with stories and appendixes, became their sacred book called the Talmud around the year 500 AD. In this book, Christians are called idolaters, worse than Turks, murderers, impure libertines. They are manure, animals in human form, worse than animals, children of the devil, etc. Catholic priests are called fortune tellers and bald-headed dunces. The church is called the house of stupidity and filth. Sacred statues, medals, and rosaries are called idols. In the Talmud, Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation are considered days of perdition. The book teaches, among other things, that a Hebrew can deceive a Christian and steal from him, since all the properties of a Christian are, from the text itself, quote, like the desert. The first to take them becomes their owner. So there, there again, you have what I was just mentioning in that prior slide. This is the reality, and this is why you have the usury. This is why the credit card companies charge you 18%. This is why you have a Federal Reserve Bank, which is destroying the purchasing power. Because in, in, this is a Judeo-Masonic conspiracy to destroy 
the the wealth of the Gentiles, the wealth of the Christians, and funneling it up to the few, the Jews that sit on top, the Judeo-Freemasonry leaders that sit on top. That's what this is all about. The Talmudic formulas that are used by Freemasonry, uh, these are the Jewish traditions which run throughout the Masonic ceremonies. All of them point to a Jewish origin. And just to further prove that point, you can see on the screen here, this is a quote from the Jewish Tribune newspaper in 1927. Uh, it was an editorial where Rabbi Isaac, uh, Isaac Wise says, quote, Freemasonry is a Jewish establishment whose history, grades, official appointments, passwords, and explanations are Jewish from beginning to end. Freemasonry is based on Judaism. Eliminate the teachings of Judaism from the Masonic ritual and what is left, end quote. And again, that's, that is why the Masonic Lodge is anti-Catholic to the core, a, a absolute hatred. It is the anti-church. It is the Church of Lucifer. And uh, Father Maximilian Colby, even in one of his um, articles or a book of his, I can't remember exactly which one, but he witnessed the Masonic parade in Rome. And on the banners, it said, Satan must reign in the Vatican. The Pope will be his slave. And that was on a, a banner during the bicentennial celebration of Freemasonry in St. Peter's Square, 1917. That's what uh, Maximilian Kolbe, Father Maximilian Kolbe, saw on the banners. And that was part of the Masonic uh, permanent instruction of the Alta Vendita. Uh, the, the plan to infiltrate the church with Freemason, Freemasons themselves and uh, to also bring in Freemasonic ideas so that if, uh, if it's not a Mason on the throne of St. Peter, it would be someone who was so indoctrinated with Masonic ideology that he might as well be one. And we have seen that since the, you know, the quote-unquote election of John Twenty-Third, all the way up through Francis uh, within the Novus Ordo uh, Church, the counterfeit Catholic Church. Our Lady of La Salette warned of this, saying that Rome will lose the faith and become the seat of the Antichrist. And Rome has lost the faith back in the 60s to this very day. And Our Lady of Good Success in Quito, Ecuador, the 1600s, on January 21st, 1610, Our Lady said that Satan will reign almost completely by means of the Masonic sects. On February 2nd, 1610, she said, this knowledge will only become known to the general public in the 20th century. During that epoch, the church will find herself attacked by terrible hordes of the Masonic sect. In these messages, she also said there would be a total corruption of customs occurring at the end of the 19th and greater part of the 20th centuries due to the reign of sainted in society through Freemasonry and that God will punish the world for three main sins, impurity, heresy, and impiety. And there is much more to this. These are just three quotes of the entire, um, of those messages. But this is an approved apparition of the church, like Fatima. Arlene gets straight to the point. She calls out the evils. She names who it is. It's Freemasonry um, that'll attack the church. A, corru a corruption of customs, that has to do with 
all the things that are being promoted today are a corruption of customs, the LGBT, whatever, uh, the sodomite agenda, um, the destruction of the family, the bringing of communism and socialism. And there's a reason why all the nations of the world are promoting all the same thing and the corporations and and are all promoting all the same evils and, and immoralities because they're all part of the same cult, the Judeo-Masonic cult. It's not a coincidence. It's why all the leaders say the same things. They use the same buzzwords. Uh, sustainability, build back better, great reset. Um, all of these things are because they're all in the same cult of Judeo Freemasonry. And this is why you should spend your time studying approved apparitions only, not ones that have already been condemned by the church, like Medjugorje or like Garabandal or any of these new people who claim messages. You know, I see on Glory TV all these ridiculous messages every day, people receiving a message. Who are these people? How do you know they're, what they're receiving, what they're receiving it from? There's no, there's no real hierarchy to be able to discern whether someone's telling the truth or not. That's why you should abandon anyone who's claiming these messages. You don't know. Just because someone's saying they're receiving messages doesn't mean that they are. And if they are, they should keep that to themselves. They, they can't discern it on their own. They don't have the ability to discern it on their own. It's a, it's a grave danger. And most of these messages are, are just lies and ridiculousness anyway promoting false religions, promoting Vatican II, um, all sorts of nonsense. You, gotta, you have to stay away from that stuff. You need to learn the actual faith and not be deceived by the latest fad, the latest message, the latest um, nonsense coming from someone who is either receiving messages from a demon or is making it up, is deluded, you know, is, is schizophrenic, whatever it might be. You'll save your soul by holding the faith whole and inviolate. That's what you need to do. You don't need to know the latest message from this seer or that seer who's getting wealthy or trying to get money from people's gullibility because they, they just want to hear the latest thing. They, just, they have itchy ears. You need, to, you need to save your soul by learning the faith, living the faith. That's how you do it. So back to what I was saying so what Our Lady is warned of is here. What the Freemasons said they were going to do has happened. Um, it's undeniable, and it's here. We're living, we're living through it. A lot of people want to deny it, don't want to accept it. You know, the, the gates of hell haven't triumphed over the church and this and that. Well, they haven't triumphed over the church, but it doesn't mean they can't, the gates of hell can't triumph over the majority of humanity or people who believe that they're in the church. I mean, just because you're in a building that says it's Catholic on the outside— doesn't mean what they're doing inside is Catholic, and that's really the case of, uh, I guess we could say, 99% of the, of the buildings that claim to be Catholic. They're not. It, it's just a facade, a complete facade. Uh, it's just like the Arians who controlled the majority of the churches during the Arian heresy. 80% of the bishops, the clergy, fell into the heresy. They weren't Catholic. The gates of hell didn't triumph over the church, but the majority of the people fell into it. It's just part of the sad history of, of humanity, the fall of mankind, um, and the delusion of sinners, and how easily people are, are swayed by people who speak eloquently, who wear certain liturgical vestments, have certain titles. Uh, they can't see past that, just like the Jews couldn't pass see the high priests who were essentially antichrists, and they chose to believe 
the false high priest instead of the true high priest. And we have the same situation now uh, with Francis and all the Novus Ordo, quote-unquote, popes since John XXIII and, and the entire Novus Ordo hierarchy and clergy. They're, you know, they're, it's a deception, a complete deception. Now, Freemasonry is said to have been founded in 1717, although it does go back in time, as Our Lady of Good Success had already spoke of Freemasonry in the 1600s. And, you know, the, the, the Babylonian exile, maybe you can argue, was the creation of, of that Freemasonic thought of those rituals and whatnot. But officially, modern speculative masonry was founded in 1717. Now, in 1738, as you can see on the screen, Pope Clement XII would formally condemn it in his papal bull uh, in Imminenti. I'm not going to read the entire thing, but some of the key parts were, he says, quote, let us meditate upon the serious evils which are usually the result of those kinds of societies or centers, not only concerning the peace of temporal states, but still more as regards the salvation of souls. Those societies are not in agreement with the civil and economic laws of the states. In order to close the widely open road to iniquities which might be committed with impunity and also for other reasons, just and reasonable, that have come to our knowledge, we have resolved and decreed to condemn and forbid such societies, assemblies, reunions, conventions, aggregations, or meetings called either Freemasonic or known under some other denomination. We condemn and forbid them by this, our present constitution, which is to be considered valid forever. We command to the faithful to abstain from intercourse with those societies in order to avoid excommunication, which will be the penalty imposed upon all those contravening to this, our order. None except at the point of death could be absolved of this sin except by us or the then existing Roman pontiff. End quote. Then the next pope, Benedict XIV, on March 16, 1751, published his constitution, Providas. In that, he placed the full in eminenti that I just quoted parts of, um, written by his predecessor. And this was in order to make it very clear that the condemnation of Freemasonry was irrevocable and that it was applied to be, it was to be applied forever. So he had denounced Freemasonry as being counter-morality. In this papal document, he outlines six reasons uh, why it's forbidden for, for Catholics to take part in these societies. Number one is because of their, because they're interconfessional, meaning they're interfaith, they're ecumenical, right? Freemasons believe that all religions are a way to God, which is something we hear the Novus Ordo talk about. You know, this is the Vatican II ecumenism. It is Masonic. Number two, the secret of Freemasonry. Number three, their oaths. Number four, their opposition to church and state. And then number five, their interdiction pronounced against them in several states by the heads of different countries at that time. And then number six, their immorality, which uh, the Pope had characterized as, quote, those societies, according to men who are prudent and honest, are ill-famed, and to become a member thereof would lead to evil and perversion. Then you have Pope Clement XIII on November 25th, 1766. 
his encyclical letter, Christiane Republicae Salus. And this work was condemning the so-called philosophers of Voltaire and all the other Masonic works uh, that were being put forth you know, as things were getting prepared for the French Revolution, the Satanic French Revolution, the Freemasonic uh, French Revolution that would come 1789. He had said uh, in that publication, quote, the enemy of all good has sown the evil seed in the field of the Lord and the evil grain has grown rapidly to such an extent that it threatens to destroy the harvest. It is time to cut it down. In our days, nothing is free from the attacks of those who are impious. God himself becomes the object of their insolent audacity. They represent him as a being who is mute, inert, devoid of a sense of providence or justice. They lower him down to the level of animals. As far as they are concerned, matter is all or at least dominates everything. Even those among them who are opposed to such gross errors, but too frequently in our days, are not afraid in their pride to scrutinize our mysteries and to submit everything to nothing but their own reasoning power, end quote. Next, you have Pope Pius VI, who on December 25th, 1795, uh, would, his first encyclical, Summa Dei, there he would, he would basically be shedding tears in it and acknowledges the tears that he shed because of these so-called philosophers uh, fanatical enemies of the church, professors of lies, the leaders of the sects of perdition, the, the Freemasonic sects, the Judeo-Masonic sects, who all they would do is broadcast their erroneous beliefs and then enter into the seats of the, the colleges, the academies, the, the houses of nobility, the courts of the king, and just spread this poison throughout all of Christendom. And now we, we see what that's led to um, to this day, and now look at our own country with the with the communists running everything, the universities, the, the the absolute insanity, the ridiculousness of the you know the trans agenda, and and all of this upside down world. It, it's just complete lies, filth, uh, ugliness. It, it's it's unheard of. But this is what he was dealing back then in in a different in a different way, um, which was obviously very traumatic and dramatic then but but now we're, we're at such a such a, a unbelievable level um and you see people embracing it and you see mothers taking their children to these drag, drag queen story hour stuff i mean it's just obscene satanic and he calls them sex of perdition and they are it's just diabolic next you have pope pius the seventh uh in 1821, September 1821, in his encyclical uh, Ecclesiam a Christo, he condemned the, the Carbonari, and that would be uh, the lodge where the permanent instruction of the Alta Vendita would come from, the, the plan to infiltrate the church, uh, infiltrate the papacy. And then uh, he says the following, quote, they come under the guise of sheep, although they are, in truth, none but ravening wolves, end quote. So in this encyclical, he reiterates the condemnations against Freemasonry that were pronounced by Clement Twelfth and Benedict XIV, and he condemns them because they 
put forth or, or propagandize religious indifference, which is most pernicious in his words. And religious indifferentism is ecumenism. It's the ecumenism that came forth from the Second Vatican Council. It's a ecumenism of John Paul II at Assisi and those abominations that took place there. It's the ecumenism of Benedict XVI at his Assisi event and his entering into the synagogue and into the mosque and Francis with Apachimama and all that he's done. It's all Masonic ecumenism. It's already been condemned and for good reason. Read these works. Read the condemnations. Learn the faith. And in addition, the religious indifferentism promoted by Freemasonry grants everyone full liberty to create their own religion according to their own ideas and inclinations. Right? To, they hold in contempt the sacraments of the church in a very horrible and, and sacrilegious way. And they substitute their own inventions. Right? They, they treat with derision, with hatred, the mysteries of the Catholic religion. What does that sound like? That's Protestantism. Protestants hate the Catholic Church. They deride the sacraments. They reject the true presence of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. They mock the priesthood. They mock confession. Um, they each have their own religions, the Protestants. There's some 40,000 different cults or sects, if you want to call them that. It's Freemasonry. It's Freemasonry, but they mask it with Christianity. They memorize the, the, the quotes of the scriptures. The devil knows the scriptures, doesn't make him a Christian. So that's why you really can't call Protestants Christians, because they're not. They're deceived people. They, they think that they can create their own doctrines, and they cannot. No authority was given to them to do so. No authority was given them to interpret the scriptures. And so they are condemned just as the Freemasons are condemned, because it is no different. And that's why the Novus Ordo is also condemned, because it is a Freemasonic false religion, pretending to be Christian, pretending to be Catholic. Following him, you have Pope Leo XII. On March 13, 1825, he published his encyclical, Quo Gravoria, and this was condemning Freemasonry and other secret societies. Uh, in it, he republished again the constitutions of Clement XII, Benedict XIV, and Pius VII. Uh, he said... In this, in this encyclical letter, quote, we have endeavored to discover the state, number, and influences of secret societies. And we easily have been able to acknowledge that, if only due to the number of new sects which have joined them, their audacity has increased. The sect known under the name of Les Universitaires has especially drawn our attention. It has established a center in several universities where young men, instead of receiving the correct teaching, are perverted by a few teachers who are initiates of certain mysteries, which might be called mysteries of iniquity, and are trained to commit crimes, end quote. Sounds like our current universities. All the nonsense and evil and immorality and myths and communism and, and just complete debauchery that is taught there and promoted there as if it's good. He goes on, and he feared the Masonic infiltration, the penetration of public school teachings, and how it would be, bring forth a devastation, as if it was one school, quote-unquote, and the, the impact it would have upon the church and on society as a whole. He says, quote, 
They have dared publish works on religion and affairs of state. They have exposed their contempt for authority, their hatred of sovereignty, their attacks against the divinity of Jesus Christ and the very existence of God. They openly vaunt their materialism as well as their codes and statutes which explain their plans and efforts in order to overthrow the legitimate heads of state and completely destroy the church. What is definitely ascertained is that those different sects, despite the diversity of their names, are all united and linked by the similarity of their infamous plans. End quote. It's, it's just unbelievable. This is what we are experiencing now in what is the final stage of this Masonic, Judeo-Masonic world revolution. And it's a sin to send a child to public school today. And you know, really has been since, since the church condemned doing such. Um, it's, it's a horror of what's being taught to the children. We have generations of children that have been completely indoctrinated, destroyed. They have no morality. They have no understanding of God, no belief in God. And it's frightening. It's frightening because, because they're, these people are ruling the world today and they're the future, the, the sad future. And this same pontiff continues on. He says, quote, Let us use the words of our predecessor, Pope Clement XIII, in his encyclical letter of September 14, 1758 addressed to all patriarchs, primates, archbishops, and bishops of the Catholic Church, in which he said, I entreat you to become penetrated of the strength of the Spirit of God, his intelligence, and his virtue, in order to escape being likened to the mute dogs who, unable to bark, leave our flocks exposed to the voracity of beasts roaming the fields. Let nothing stop us in the fulfillment of our duty, which enjoins us to suffer all kinds of combats for the glory of God and the salvation of souls. Let us constantly keep before our eyes the picture of him who, during his lifetime, was also exposed to the opposition of sinners. If we allow ourselves to be shaken by the audacity of evildoers, it will be the end of Episcopal strength, the end also of the sublime and divine authority of the Church. Moreover, let us abandon even the thought of being Christians if we have reached the point of trembling before the threats or the traps laid for us by perverts, end quote. And this is what has happened to the Novus Ordo. They have fallen. They are in union with the enemies of Christ. They are in union with the perverts, which is why Francis promotes the perverts, appoints the perverts to positions of power, appoints people of the the World Economic Forum, of the UN, of pro-abortion, pro-sodomite, all into positions of power within the Vatican, within these, these groups, these synods, whatever you want to call them, all these different gatherings that he has, because he is in union with them. He is not in union with Christ. He is an enemy of Christ. And so too is the entire Vatican II sect, going all the way back to Benedict XVI, John Paul II, John XXIII, Paul VI, they have all promoted these things. It's public record. It's, it's undeniable. Now, he ends that encyclical with a solemn anathema, anathematizing the Freemasons by saying, quote, those men are like those to whom, according to St. John the Apostle, hospitality and greetings should be denied. 
They are the same men whom our fathers, without hesitation, termed the firstborn of the devil, end quote, and who Christ termed in the gospel as of their father the devil. They are not our brothers. They are our enemies. Next, you have Pope Pius VIII, and he would write in his encyclical letter, Traditi, which was published in 1829. He renewed all the condemnations of the prior popes, and he again continued to call the Masonic sects, quote-unquote, wells of perdition. Uh, it was during this time where you had the Lodge of the Alta Vendita uh, come about, and he said the following. He said, quote, the aim, its aim, meaning the Masonic Lodges, its aim is to corrupt youth in schools. And he says, he repeats the words of Pope St. Leo the Great, where he's quoted as saying, their law is untruth, their God is a devil, and their cult is depravity. And we can say that that is, in fact, can be applied to all the leaders of the world today. Because the only thing they promote is untruth. The press, we would say that the same. Hollywood. Um, everything is basically that they're promoting is not true. Lies, deception. Their God is the devil. And their cult, their worship is depravity. Hence the LGBTQ. Then you have Pope Gregory the Sixteenth In his encyclical Mararivos, August 15, 1832, he says the following, quote, Truly indeed, we can say that this is the hour granted to the power of darkness, to grind the elect as wheat. Evil comes out of secret societies, bottomless abyss of misery, which those conspiring societies have dug, and in which heresies and sects have, as may be said, vomited, as in a privy, all they hold of licentiousness, sacrilege, and blasphemy. End quote. And it would be Gregory the Sixteenth, who the documents of the Masonic Italian Alta Ventita, the the plot to infiltrate the Church and the Papacy, those documents would come into his hands uh, about two weeks, uh, almost twenty days before his death, and then he had it published, uh, and it was published in eighteen fifty eight. Cretino Julie would be the one who would publish that book. Uh, entitled The Roman Church Facing the Revolution. And and so it was known, it was well known within the church about this this Masonic plot. And we are living through the realization of it. Following Pope Gregory XVI, you then have Pope Pius IX. And during his pontificate, uh, Masonry would succeed in the downfall of papal temporal power. And that was planned by Cavour, Mazzini, Garibaldi. They took down the papal states. And Pius IX, on November 9, 1846, in his encyclical letter, Qui Pluribus, said the following, quote, Venerable brethren, you also are fully aware of the monstrous errors and devices employed by the children of this century to pursue a merciless war against the Catholic religion, 
the divine authority of the church and its laws in order to trample upon the rights of both the ecclesiastical and civil power. Such is the aim of the guilty machinations against St. Peter's Roman See, upon which Christ established the inexpungible foundation of his church. Such is the aim of those secret societies issuing from darkness for the eventual ruin of religion and states, and which on several occasions have already been anathematized by preceding Roman pontiffs in their apostolic letters. We confirm the importance of such letters and wish them to be followed with great care. End quote. And you notice there he talks about the eventual ruin of religion and states, meaning governments. Uh, that's the aim of the secret societies. And that is what we're experiencing now with really the destruction of tr the true religion, um, with true Catholicism being reduced to really a handful of people across the world, a handful of traditional Catholics. And you have the states, the countries of the world, their sovereignty being destroyed through the United Nations, the World Economic Forum, uh, the World Health Organization. So power is concentrated into a few uh, psychopathic, lunatic, um, satanic uh, bureaucrats, bureaucracies, communist, um, Judeo-Masonic bureaucracies that then force the nations to obey their will. Uh, that's why you have this worldwide coordinated effort when it comes to health or the environment or economics. It's a, a worldwide dictatorship that we're seeing being set up before our eyes. And Pius IX foresaw this in a letter, not an encyclical letter, but uh, an allocution that he wrote on September 15th, 1865, entitled Multiplices Inter. It has a similar name to an encyclical letter that he wrote, but it is a completely different document, just for those who look it up. Um, he says the following, quote, As to all the other faithful being full of solicitude for their souls, we strongly exhort them to beware of the perfidious discourses of sectarians who, under a disguise of honesty, are inflamed by an ardent hatred of the religion of Christ and of all legitimate authority. They have but one thought with the sole aim of exterminating all divine and human rights. Let them all be fully conscious of the fact that the affiliates of such sects are as the wolves who, as our Lord predicted, come disguised with sheep's hide to devour the whole flock. Let the faithful know that such affiliates must be numbered among those with whom the apostle forbade us to associate, telling us also to even avoid greeting them. End quote. And just to go back to that one, one particular sentence, he says they have but one thought with the sole aim of exterminating all divine and human rights. And isn't that what we're seeing now? They're taking away, obviously, all divine rights, the rights of God, uh, his right to worship, his right to be honored, his right to be king of all nations. Uh, and they are, are also getting rid of our human rights, you know, the so-called rights of man. Uh, that's all being thrown out the window too. And they don't believe in any legitimate authority. They just, they believe authority 
the end justifies the means. The, the, whoever is the strongest should rule. doesn't matter whether it's truth or not. It doesn't matter if they lie, if they cheat, if they steal. Obviously, they do all of these things, both here and overseas. But this is Satanism. And this is what Judeo Freemasonry is. It is Satanic. It is Luciferian. And during the reign of Pope Pius IX, in the Acts of the Holy See, there's a very uh, interesting statement that's made about the secret societies and who they gain their assistance from and how. Let me read that. So this is from the Acts of the Holy See, Acta Sanctus Aetis, Volume 1, page 293, from July 13, 1865. Quote, If one takes into consideration the immense development which the secret societies have attained, the length of time they are persevering in their vigor, their furious aggressiveness, the tenacity with which their members cling to the association, and to the false principles it professes, the persevering mutual cooperation of so many different types of men in the promotion of evil, one can hardly deny that the supreme architect of these associations, seeing that the cause must be proportional to the effect, can be none other than he who in the sacred writings is styled the prince of the world, and that Satan himself, even by his physical cooperation, directs and inspires at least the leaders of these bodies physically cooperating with them, end quote. So that is a frightening prospect, and I truly believe it, uh, that Satan is manifesting himself physically. Uh, personally, I believe that these so-called aliens are really nothing more than demonic spirits or, or hybrid uh, Nephilim that we've read of in the, in the book of Genesis, evil evil entities, evil beings. But of course, you know, we know from the scriptures that angels can appear as men, appear to Abraham and to Lot, and to, you know, the angel wrestled against uh, Jacob. So they can manifest themselves as human beings and actually have the physical characteristics of human beings. So, and, men and one thing I want to point out, they, they mentioned here the supreme architect. And as we know, Freemasonry, their God, they consider the supreme architect of the universe. Not the creator of the universe, but the architect. It's different. It's very different than the actual builder. Um, so it, it is Satan. It is Lucifer who is directing these evil secret societies these evil organizations that have revealed themselves to the public, to the world. Again, the United Nations, World Economic Forum, Council of Foreign Relations, the Bilderberg Group, all these societies that are in union with each other, all have the same stated goals, all promote the same immoral acts, all uh, put as virtues the four sins that cry to heaven for vengeance, you know, which would be primarily... The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, so the LGBTQ, um, abortion, you know, the killing of the innocent, the injustice to the wage earner, and that would be accomplished through excessive taxation and inflation, uh, the printing of money, 
which robs, steals the wealth of people and gives it to the, the people on top of, of, the, of the organization. Um, usury, you know, the credit card companies, high interest on loans, and the oppression of the, of the poor, um, which again is done also through, obviously, inflation, uh, making it impossible for them to be able to feed themselves or supply their own needs, giving them a universal basic income, a welfare that doesn't even supply for their needs, but also makes them lazy, uh, gives them no real desire to do anything in life, um, forcing harmful drugs upon them, injections, things of that nature to destroy them, sterilizing them, uh, any number of evils. And so we see that being done all over the world, yet they'll claim you know, they're trying to help the poor. Uh, and the migrant and, and whatnot, when all they're doing is really just destroying these people's lives and destroying the countries that they're bringing these destitute people into. And this is the, you know, the so-called New World Order. This is the destruction of the Western civilization, of Christian civilization. And as you can see on the screen here, Pius IX, in this letter notice at Nobiscum, he says... Um, Quote, you are aware indeed that the goal of this most iniquitous plot is to drive people to overthrow the entire order of human affairs and to draw them over to the wicked theories of this socialism and communism by confusing them with perverted teachings. And this is what you, we have seen. All the youth throughout all the world being indoctrinated in these false principles, now trying to rise up against the system. Um, because they're indoctrinated, because they don't know the truth, because they think this is actually good, when it's all it's going to do is impoverish them, destroy them, kill them. Um, and we're seeing that take place on a, on a massive scale, and it's only going to get worse. And, and these teachings are only going to get more and more perverse. Uh, it's going to become more of a tyranny, a worldwide tyranny, where they're now getting rid of food, destroying food. They're making it illegal for farmers to have fertilizer, too much fertilizer. Um, there was a story that just came across in, uh, in the Netherlands. You know, they're busting farmers for smuggling cow dung. You know, it's, it's complete insanity. But it's a wicked plan. It's a satanic wicked plan. And in a letter that was dated on May 29, 1873... Uh, Pius IX was writing to writing a letter to the Bishop of Olinda in Brazil. He said the following, quote, The satanic spirit of the sect was particularly evidenced in the past century during the course of the revolutions of France, which shook the entire world. Such upheavals proved that the total dissolution of human society could be expected unless the forces of this ultra-criminal sect were crushed, end quote. And it is truly a criminal sect. It is organized crime, worldwide organized crime uh, that we're dealing with here. Satanically inspired, satanically controlled. And in this picture on the screen, you can see one of their key minions, uh, Jorge Bergoglio Francis, with a blasphemous sacrilegious hammer and sickle crucifix. I mean, the man himself is obviously Judeo-Masonic, a communist, um, doesn't believe in the papacy, rejects the Catholic understanding of the papacy, mocks the papacy, really. It's really a, a mockery of Christ. And we must fully reject this man. 
because he is an enemy of the church. He is an enemy of Christ, an enemy of souls. Also in that same letter to the Bishop of Brazil, he talks about the failure of the church to fight against Freemasonry. And he says, quote, however, the apostolic see's efforts have not been crowned with a success that might have been expected. The Masonic sect of which we speak has been neither defeated nor overthrown, just the reverse. The sect has developed to such an extent that in these days of great difficulty, it shows itself everywhere and with impunity and raises a more audacious countenance. Following Pius IX, you have Pope Leo XIII, and he wrote many encyclicals against Freemasonry. The most popular or most famous is titled Humanum Genus. Uh, he says the following, quote, Today evildoers all seem allied in a tremendous effort, inspired by and with the help of a society powerfully organized and widely spread over the world. It is the Society of Freemasons. In fact, those people no longer even try to dissimulate their intentions but they actually challenge each other's audacity in order to assail God's august majesty. It is now publicly and overtly that they undertake to ruin the Holy Church so as to succeed, if it is possible, in the complete dispossession of Christian nations of all the gifts they owe to our Savior Jesus Christ. I'm going to stop there for a second. And they have been successful on that. All the Catholic monarchies were destroyed. You had the Orthodox Christian monarchy destroyed by Judeo-Freemasonry. Um, there is a, a book, and I, I did a series on this recently, that discusses the so-called Russian Revolution, where it was outsiders, non-Russians, uh, the majority of which were Jews, who overtook Russia, and Father Dennis Fahey proves this all in this book, um, written in, I think it was the late 1930s, 1940s. So I read through this book, I have commentary, it talks about the, the ritual murder of the, of the Tsar, the you know, Judeo-Masonic rituals and, and everything in there. So that's, a, I would say, a must-read, absolutely a must-read. All of Father Dennis Fahey's books are a must-read. Uh, especially on this topic, and to understand how we got to this point in the world, in, in society, because it, it is these successive revolutions that have destroyed Christian civilization. Uh, I guess I would say starting with the Protestant Revolution, which was a satanic revolution against the church, 1517. Then you have, in 1717, the founding of the first Masonic Lodge, like official Masonic Lodge. They were in existence prior to that. But the formal declaration of the Lodge in London, 1717. And then 1917, you have the Russian Revolution. And then the beginning of, of atheistic communism on a global scale. And then the destruction of those of then Catholic nations as a result of the fall of the, the Tsar in Russia. Another must-read book by Father Dennis Fay, he would be on this topic, Secret Societies and the Kingship of Christ. It's a, a short book. It 
a collection of different uh, publications, lectures, uh, articles that he had, had written on the topic. I probably will, will do a series on this next year, uh, maybe after the holidays, because it is highly interesting. And you know, he does mention, for those of you who, who watched the Catholic Storyteller series on the the true story of the possessed children of Alsace, you know, the demons there, talk about the French Revolution, and he mentions it in this book here. And so, you know, this has been a constant fight of the church, you know, up until the Second Vatican Council, and that's not a coincidence. And I will go into more detail on that in a few, in a few moments. I, I just want to finish up here on Leo the 13th, uh, back to Humanum Genis. Uh, he says here, quote, as a result... In the space of a century and a half, the sect of the Freemasons has made incredible progress, making use at the same time of audacity and cunning. Masonry has invaded all the ranks of social hierarchy, and in the modern states, it has begun to seize a power which is almost equivalent to sovereignty. End quote. And that is what we see now. They have complete power, power over all the press, all the internet, all the governments, the legislatures, the financial systems, everything. As I was saying earlier, that's why all the corporations, all the governments are in what they term as lockstep, saying the same thing, uh, all believing the same lies, promoting the same perversions. And why? It's because they're part of the same occult sect, the same demonic, diabolic, Judeo-Masonic sect. And I could literally go on for hours and hours going over all the different encyclical letters of the popes. Um, here again, Leo Thirteenth, in De Eternum, he says, uh, quote, Communism, socialism, nihilism, hideous deformities of the civil society of men, and almost its ruin, end quote. Well, we're looking at its ruin now. Uh, we're, we're experiencing it. We're, we're witnessing it. And there's much worse to come, I fear. Much, much worse. We, we really have no idea of what's coming. And actually, there's, there's one more quote from the other 13th I want to go over. Um, and he says, and this is, you know, as you can see on the screen, the amassing of Freemasonry. But he says, quote, The facts which we have reviewed throw sufficient light upon inner constitution of Freemasons and show clearly the road they are following in order to reach their goal. Their chief dogmas are so completely and manifestly opposed to sane reason that it is difficult to imagine deeper perversion. I'm just going to hold up there. I mean, we are witnessing insanity today with what's being promoted. And he said it was difficult to imagine deeper perversion. Well, we are in the probably the deepest perversion. Uh... I mean, there's going to be worse to come. That's without doubt. But we're in some pretty deep perversion when you have men dressing as women and and being put in positions of power and putting put on a pedestal. How much more perverse does that get? Are people mutilating their bodies, pretending to be men, men pretending to be women, women pretending to be men? I mean, it's sick. This is what happens when you abandon the truth, when you abandon God. It's disgusting. And then he continues on by asking this question. 
In reality, is it not the peak of madness and of the most audacious impiety to be so presumptuous as to want to destroy the religion and the church created by God himself and assured of his perpetual protection, and after 18 centuries to want to replace it with the customs and institutions of pagans? Still no less horrible nor easy to bear to witness the repudiation of those gifts which, in his mercy, Jesus Christ bestowed first on individuals, then to human beings grouped both in families and in nations. Even the enemies of Christian civilization acknowledge the supreme value of those gifts. There is no denying that in this foolish and criminal plan, it is easy to understand the implacable hatred and passion for revenge which animates Satan toward Jesus Christ. We refuse to follow the dictates of such iniquitous masters that bear the name of Satan and of all evil passions. End quote. Now, during the reign of Pope Leo XIII, you have Monsignor George Dillon, who gave a series of lectures on Freemasonry in Edinburgh, Scotland, uh, October 1884. These lectures are compiled in an excellent book. Uh, originally, the name of the book was War of Antichrist with the Church and Christian Civilization. Uh, later on, it was changed to Grand Orient Freemasonry Unmasked as the Power Behind Communism. This is another must-read book to really understand who and what is behind the Masonic sects. And I have the entire book on my channel split up in chapters where you can listen to it or read along with it. Um, and just to kind of give you a little bit of a flavor of what's in the book, I'm going to read just one, one page from the forward. And this ties into what I began in the, in the beginning about the Jews and Freemasonry. Quote, The uprise of Protestantism in the 16th century rent the unity of the mystical body of Christ. Chapter 16 of William Thomas Walsh's splendid work, Philip II, is entitled Freemasonry in the 16th Century and shows that there was already at that time some sort of secret organization engaged in working for naturalism against ordered submission to Christ the King. He adds that it is no longer debatable that if the false leaders of the Jews did not originate the secret societies to cover their own anti-Christian activities and to influence credulous members of the Christian communities, they had a great deal to do with the business. The degrees and ritual of Freemasonry are shot through with Jewish symbolism. The candidate is going to the east towards Jerusalem. He is going to rebuild the temple, destroyed in fulfillment of the prophecy of Christ. The Grand Orient and Scottish Rite Lodges, sources of so many modern revolutions, are more militant, more open, and apparently more virulent than some of the others whom they are leading into a single world organization by gradual steps. And you see the footnote there, one. And this is from that book on Philip II. And it says, The Jewish writer Bernard Lazar, so remarkable for his hatred of our divine Lord and the Catholic Church, is in full agreement with William Thomas Walsh, who was a splendid Catholic, Quote, it is certain, writes Lazar, that there were Jews at the cradle of Freemasonry, Kabbalistic Jews, 
as is proved by some of the rites that have been preserved. During the years that preceded the French Revolution, they very probably entered in greater numbers still into the councils of the society and founded secret societies themselves. There were Jews around Weishaupt and Martinez de Pascuales, a Jew of Portuguese origin, organized numerous groups of Illuminati in France, recruited many adepts to whom he taught the doctrine of reintegration. The lodges founded by Martinez were mystical, while the others while the other orders of Freemasonry were rather rationalist. This permits one to say that the secret societies represent the two sides of the Jewish mind, practical rationalism and pantheism. Both sides of the Jewish mind mentioned by Lazar are opposed to order submission to God through our Lord Jesus Christ, end quote. Uh, that, that, um, that continues down to the bottom of the page there, not the part that's... Um, highlighted, but above number one, in case you're wondering where I'm reading from. And now back to where I left off uh, on this page here, uh, page 15 in the forward. It says, uh, after that footnote number one, it says, what we see then in the years following 1717 is rather the emergence into fuller light of a secret organized force aiming at enrolling and forming groups of adepts to work for naturalism. That is, for the denial of the supernatural life and the elimination of membership of Christ from society. The Jewish nation is a non-secret organized naturalistic force. That is to say, its naturalistic opposition to the mystical body of Christ is openly proclaimed. Freemasonry, the organized naturalistic force acting in, sub in subordination to and in conjunction with the Jewish nation, is a secret society or group of societies for its naturalism or anti-supernaturalism is secret or camouflaged. And then you see the footnote number two, and on the down of the page, I have it highlighted there. Let's read that. So it says, For the manner in which the Jewish nation exercises control over Freemasonry, see the mystical body of Christ and the reorganization of society, pages 234, I'm sorry, pages 234 to 236. Quote, The Jews have swarmed into it, Freemasonry, from the earliest times and controlled the higher grades and councils of the ancient and accepted Scottish Rite since the beginning of the 19th century, end quote. So that's just a little flavor of what's in this priceless book. Uh, you can download the PDF for free. I believe I have a link in, in, those, um, in those videos I posted. And this is something that Again, these books would be great, great Christmas gifts uh, to give to someone who has an interest in this subject um, because it is just so eye-opening and, and it's undeniable. It's undeni undeniable unless, you know, either you're willfully blind or you're part of the secrets, uh, those secret societies. And this is, this is why the Protestants promote the Zionism because they're in union with the enemies of Christ. Now, there's many who just are dupes. They don't, you know, they're the useful idiots. They don't understand what's going on. And they're just blindly following the, the false traditions of men, right? The false teachings of the Jews, the traditions of the, of the Jews through Freemasonry. But this is the synagogue of Satan that our Lord spoke of to St. John in the book of the Apocalypse. The synagogue of Satan are the Talmudic, Kabbalistic Jews in union with the Freemasonic Lodges. 
that com- compromises the synagogue of Satan. And he says in Revelation 2.9, I know thy tribulation and thy poverty, but thou art rich and thou art blasphemed by them that say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. And then in Revelation, Apocalypse chapter 3, verse 9, he says, Behold, I will bring of, of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and adore before thy feet, and they shall know that I have loved thee. And as Christ said, I covered in the beginning, you know, he, he said that they're not the children of Abraham, they're of their father, the devil. Right? So these are the Jews who reject him. And it's also the Ashkenazis, the, the people who, who weren't really Jews by blood. But it's not your blood that saves you. It's your faith in Christ that saves you. And Freemasonry, following the Jewish Kabbalah, these Jewish rituals, these Satanic rituals, are of their father the devil and are united to the synagogue of Satan. But the real secret behind Freemasonry is what they plan to do to the Freemasons. And Father Maximilian Kobe uh, exposes this. So let's, let's read that. So I'm pulling this article from the Tradition in Action website, which is where I pulled the other article from uh, on Father uh, Kobe. Here it says, uh, at the time of the International Congress of Freemasonry in Bucharest in 1926, Father Kobe wrote the article, The Night of the Immaculata, in which one reads, quote, These men, the Freemasons, believe that they are the ones who will rule everything. But let us hear what is written in the the protocols of the learned elders of Zion. Protocol number 11 states, quote, We will create and put in effect the laws and the governments in opportune moments by means of national rebellions. What we want is that the multitudes, disoriented by the revolt, still in a condition of terror and uncertainty, should understand once and for all that we are so strong, so untouchable, so powerful, that in no way will we take into account their opinions and wishes. Instead, we are ready and able to crush with irresistible power their manifestations at any moment and in every place. Then, in fear and trembling, they will close their eyes to everything and await the consequences. For what purpose have we created this policy and insinuated it into the minds of the Masons without giving them any possibility of examining its underlying meaning? This is what has served as the basis for our secret organization Masonry whose existence is not known or even suspected by these cattle, attracted by us into the army of Masonic lodges, end quote. Here, Father Colby directs himself to the Masons, saying, quote, Freemasons, did you hear this? The Hebrews, who have secretly organized and secretly direct you, consider you as beasts, recruited into the Masonic lodges for ends that you neither know nor suspect, are you aware, Freemasons, of what awaits those among you who will begin to think for themselves? Listen to this in the same protocol. Quote, Death is the inevitable conclusion of every life. We will execute the Masons in a way that no one can suspect, not even the victims themselves. They will all die at the moment it is deemed necessary, apparently because of common illnesses. End quote. I'm going to pause there for a second because... I've read this in the past, years ago, but now, reading this, oh my gosh. So what they're putting in in these injections 
is what is in this protocol, one of the protocols of the other of Zion that Maximilian Colby's talking about. It's going to make it appear like they're dying of common illnesses. Wow. That is... All I can say is, wow, this has just hit me as I'm recording this. This is unbelievable. So, all right, let me continue on here. Uh, the saint founder continues, quote, Freemasons, you who recently joined the Bucharest Congress were pleased by the fact that masonry is growing stronger everywhere. Reflect well and answer sincerely. Is it not better to serve the creator with interior peace rather than to obey the orders of those who hate you? End quote. Finally, Maximilian Kolbe directs himself to the secret chiefs of Freemasonry with these words, quote, And you small squadron of Hebrews, the learned elders of Zion, who have already consciously provoked so many misfortunes and are preparing yet others, to you I direct this question. What advantage will you gain? A huge accumulation of gold, pleasures, diversions, and power? But none of this makes man happy. And if still it should give some happiness, how long will it last? Ten years, perhaps, or twenty? I ask you, Hebrew leaders, you who have let yourselves be seduced by Satan, the enemy of humanity, would it not be better for you also to return sincerely to God? End quote. In another article of 1926, Father Colby, again citing the protocols of the elders of Zion, wrote, quote, They say of themselves, who or what is in a position to overthrow an invisible force? And this is precisely what our force is. Gentile Freemasonry only serves as a screen for us and our objectives, but our plan of action will always remain unknown by the people. End quote. And then later on in the article, Father Colby presents his position with subtle irony. He says, quote, But we are an army whose commander knows each and every one of the enemies who has observed and observes every one of their hidden actions, each one of their words, and even their very thoughts. Ask yourselves, under such conditions, can one speak of secret plans, clandestine actions, and invisibility? And here, uh, Father Colby reveals the name of the quote-unquote commander of his army. It is the Immaculate Virgin, the refuge of sinners, but also the one who tramples the infernal serpent. She will crush his head. And indeed she will, and I pray it soon. Uh, on the screen now, I'm going to go back to the 1890s just for a moment, because this came to my mind. Uh, this was a series I did, I guess it was last year, and it was on an 1890 Catholic article that was put out by the Jesuits in Rome on the Jewish question in Europe. This is just a mind-blowing article. It's short. It's only 21 pages. I'll have, I have a link to the PDF file of it in these videos. Uh, you can find them in my Freemasonry playlist. Um, and it's a must. It's absolutely must read or must listen to as I read through it. Um, it'll blow your mind away. I'm going to put on the screen now the outline of the article. You can see it's in three parts. If you look at part one, uh, specifically... Number four talks about the Talmud, Talmud reinterpreted. Uh, number five, more on the Talmud, Talmud versus Christianity. Uh, part two, you can see in number seven, the World Jewish Alliance, the Alliance versus the Jesuits. Uh, number nine, in part two, liberty in Judeo-Masonry. 
abusing freedom in the USA. And, you know, this is just a bit of it. You know, this is obviously just the outline. So absolutely read through that. It will prove all that I've just talked about when you've heard from the pontiffs. But this is just going to put it in, in such clear language. And it's just shocking what they were wording about is all here now. Uh, another must read is from the Catholic Gazette of February 1936, uh, London, England. I did a video on that about nine years ago. And it was entitled The Jewish Peril and the Catholic Church. And this, again, discusses this in a very short article. Um, Mind-blowing. And this is never talked about anymore, right? Isn't it curious? <laughs> it's no coincidence that after the Second Vatican Council, you don't hear anything from the quote-unquote popes against communism, against Freemasonry, against socialism or communism. Why is that? Why are the Novus Ordo quote-unquote popes actually praised by Freemasonry? And why don't they condemn it? Here you can see an article where the Freemasons in Mexico mourned the death of John Twenty-Third, because his encyclical was part of the revolution, part of the Masonic, liberal, ecumenist revolution. And there is evidence to suggest that he was part of the Rosicrucians, a Masonic sect, and the Grand Orient also claims it as a member. Archbishop Anabali Bunini was a Freemason who was responsible for the changing of the Mass, for creating the new Mass with the help of six Protestant ministers. And that's on record. This series I did goes into more detail about Archbishop Anabali Bonini and Paul VI, uh, the creation of the new Mass, and the Masonic uh, Luciferian elements within it. Here you can see an article that shows that John Paul II, Carol Voltila, was rewarded by Freemasonry because of his Masonic doctrines that are found all throughout his writings and his actions, especially the, the diabolic uh, Assisi abominations. All of this I cover in great detail in the series John Paul II, The Masonic Saint. And it's all documented, all the writings, everything, the actions. So you can see it for yourself. It's, it's indisputable, but, but you have to actually do the research and it's all laid out in these videos. Here you can see Benedict XVI meeting with the International Jewish Masonic Organization, the B'nai B'rith, very diabolic organization, uh, praising Benedict XVI, because again, he is a modernist. His doctrines are Judeo-Masonic, and so naturally he would receive praise from them. And here you can see Benedict XVI had named a Freemason to the Academy of Sciences. I mean, these things would be absolutely unheard of, unheard of in the true church. You'd be excommunicated for these types of things. And conveniently, John Paul II removed the excommunication of the Freemasons from canon law. Um, isn't that interesting? Here you have the Grand Lodge of Free and Accepted Masons in the Philippines promoting Francis, praising him. Next, we have Argentine Freemasonry saluting Pope Francis uh, in an article, which should come as no surprise. And then finally, we have Italian Freemasonry supporting Francis.
And all of this is the fulfillment of the permanent instruction of the Alta Bendita, the Masonic plot to infiltrate the church and the papacy and to put someone, if not one of their own, but someone who is completely imbued with Masonic principles. And I do have a series that goes over that entire document in detail. It's called Pope Publishes Masonic Plot to Overthrow the Papacy, as you can see on the screen. Obviously, it's way too much of, of a topic to cover. In all these different videos I point to, so you can take time and go through them, listen to them. All the, all the information is documented there. I'll have actual parts of the book or the entire book or pamphlets or articles there so you can read through it as I'm reading it, as I'm discussing it, and also PDF files for you can read, so you can read it on your own. Because you need to educate yourself. I know there's going to be, I'm sure there's going to be some ridiculous comments um, you know, against what I'm saying, but all, everything I'm saying, I'm just repeating what the Pope said of the past, what the Church has taught in the past. So it's not, I'm not making this up. I'm just showing you where to find it. And those who want to fight against it, well, either you're, you're part of them, you're ignorant, or you, you, just, you just don't understand. You're just blinded by your own sinfulness and ignorance and stupidity, to be quite frank. And I just want to conclude this video with a couple of brief quotes. The first is from the book of the prophet Daniel. Chapter 9, verse 26, he says, Christ shall be slain, and the people who shall deny him shall not be his. And yes, I do have Francis as the high priest Caiaphas mocking Christ, because that is an, a, very true to life, in that he is the high priest of the Novus Ordo. He is the high priest of Freemasonry, of Judeo-Freemasonry. And he's crucifying Christ anew. And those liberal Catholics, those Novus Ordo Catholics, that cling to him, cling to him like the Jews cling to Caiaphas, the high priest, being deceived by the title, by the robes, by where he sits in the temple, and not going deeper into his actual doctrines and how they are antichrist. And here the prophet Jeremiah speaking, the Holy Ghost speaking through him, our Lord speaking through him, says that the old covenant is void. The Jews don't have a separate covenant. And he brings up the conspiracy. He says, quote, A conspiracy is found among the men of Judah and among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They have returned to the former iniquities of their fathers, who refused to hear my words. Thus, they likewise have gone after strange gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have made void my covenant, which I made with their fathers. And now to just a few quotes of different popes. This is Pope Innocent IV. Quote, the wicked perfidy of the Jews, from whose hearts our Savior did not remove the veil because of their enormous crimes, but caused them justly to continue in their blindness, commit acts of shame which engender astonishment in those who hear and terror in those who discover it. Here's Pope Gregory IX. Quote, we order all our brother bishops absolutely to suppress the blasphemy of the Jews in your dioceses, churches, and communities so that they do not dare raise their necks, bent under eternal slavery, to revile the Redeemer. And finally, Pope St. Pius V, the Pope who dogmatically made the traditional Latin Mass, the Tridentine Rite, the rite of the Roman Catholic Church. He says, quote, We know that this most perverse people, 
the Jews, have always been the cause and seedbag of almost all the heresies, and that would include Protestantism. And those quotes are quite a contrast, aren't they? True popes, real Catholic popes, versus Masonic ones. And, you know, Pius X, Pius XI, Pius Twelfth, Benedict XV, they all condemned the Universal Republic of Freemasonry. They all condemned communism and the secret societies as well. Just don't have enough time here to go through all those as well. Uh, but you'll find a lot of those quotes in those other videos I mentioned. So I hope you enjoyed this. Please remember to hit the like and subscribe buttons and please keep it in your prayers. Thank you.